let's get right into it. I am surprised at how obviously our leaders want to take us to war. War in the Middle East. War in Eastern Europe. War possibly in the Far East. They are uh, gambling not for a two-front war. They want a three-front war. I'm going to read you something, and I'm going to explain it to you why it's so important. This is a announcement made by Major General McPhillips. He is the U.S. Marine Corps Commander for United States Marine Forces Central Command. I'll explain what that means here in a second. Here's the quote. Quote, I hope this letter finds you in good health and high spirits. Regretfully and with a strong sense of duty, I write to inform you of a decision that I had to make regarding the Marine Corps 248th ball scheduled for 16 November 2023. Due to unforeseen operational commitments and the nature of our current mission, it is with great regret that we must cancel this year's event. Our primary responsibility as Marines is to ensure the security and defense of our nation. It is this commitment to duty that has necessitated the cancellation of what would undoubtedly have been an exceptional evening of camaraderie and tradition. I appreciate the immense effort that has gone into the planning and preparing for this year's ball, and I want to express my gratitude to all those who have dedicated their time and effort. While we must forego this opportunity this year, it is the, a reminder of the sacrifices we make in service to our country. Please know that this decision was not made lightly, and the chief consideration was the need to uphold the highest standards of readiness and the completion of our operational responsibilities. Thank you for understanding. Semper Fidelis, C.A. McPhillips, Major General, U.S. Marine Corps Commander, U.S. Marine Forces Central Command. Now, what does all of this mean, and why? Why are we talking about it? Why are, are you talking about the you, you're canceling a ball? All right, what's the big deal? Well, there is a big deal. The commandant of the Marine Corps is lying in a hospital bed right now. General Eric Smith had a heart attack. General Eric Smith, <laughs> um, he's he's out of commission now. The the your United States Marine Corps does not have an assistant commandant right now. That that seat is currently vacant, so the commandant is in the hospital. There's no assistant commandant right now. And so there's some other three star running the Marine Corps who's not the assistant commandant. His name's Heckle. He's the deputy commandant for combat development and integration. He's the most senior officer within headquarters Marine Corps. And there you go. There's not currently a Senate-confirmed assistant commandant in place. 
All right. Why isn't there a Senate-confirmed commandant in place? Let's go to the United States Senate for a moment. The United States Senate has not yet confirmed certain top-level military officers, including the Assistant Commandant of the Marine Corps, because there is one Senate Republican holding it up. His name is Tuberville. He's in Alabama. Now, Tuberville... On Wednesday night, that would be last night, was uh, confronted by several Republican senators, including Dan Sullivan of Alaska, Joni Erse in Iowa, Todd Young in Indiana, Lindsey Graham, South Carolina, and each were imploring him to lift his hold for the sake of national security and proposing votes on individual officers whose promotions have been delayed. Here is some reporting on that um, confrontation, which I think is kind of interesting. Let's go back to the beginning of this. Here you go. It have been held up by one of their colleagues. You probably know this story. Senator Tommy Tuberville. He's been blocking promotions for months over his objections to the reproductive rights policy of the Department of Defense. I want to get to Julie Sirkin in Capitol Hill. Just to contact, this has been a huge issue, I think, for, for a lot of people in the Senate because this blockage, essentially, is preventing military officers from getting promotions. It's slowing the process down, et cetera. Now, there may finally be a move to speed things up. Where does this go? What's happening? Well, literally right now as we speak, Hallie, on the Senate floor, Senator Sullivan, who is a former Marine, he's a Republican from Alaska, he's taking to the Senate floor with some of his colleagues to try and move along unanimously a whole host of military promotions. 115 nominees, part of that 300-plus bucket that have been held up by Senator Tuberville since February for nine months. The thing is, though, despite Sullivan's strong feelings on this, earlier he used an expletive I can't necessarily repeat on television, it's not likely going anywhere because Senator Tuberville himself is planning to object to this unanimous consent request. You see it there on your screen from Sullivan, from Graham, from other senators like Joni Ernst, who also has a military background. These people, these senators, really feel so closely to this issue, especially in light of what happened to Eric Smith, the Marine Commandant who suffered that heart attack last week. Now, where does this go from here? The unanimous consent request, while a huge major step that this is happening from Republicans, is going to go down. That means they're still going to look at a potential rule change. Majority Leader Schumer just a couple of minutes ago said he's looking to put that on the floor. That will require the support of around 10 Republicans. I'm told there might be some openness there, though, because of the frustration felt on all sides of the issue here. Julie Serkin, sounds like it's going to be a late night for you and your colleagues there on the Hill yet again. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. All right. So the United States Senate is um, is has been frozen um, primarily by Tommy Tuberville who is taking retribution against the Pentagon over the issue of abortion. And he is saying, look, okay, if you, Pentagon, have decided unilaterally on your own accord, if you have decided that you are going to reimburse service members for abortions, you're going to, if let, let's say you have a service member who's stationed in a, in a state 
in which Roe v. Wade was overturned, there is no legal abortion anymore. Well, that service member, that woman service member, female service member, what is a woman? I don't know. Can go and travel to another state, receive an abortion, and then your tax dollars, American tax dollars, TRICARE, will pay for it. The, the Pentagon, under Lloyd Austin, has decided that this is a funding priority. They have decided that American service members, women, are going to get abortions. It is more important that we kill innocent life in order to achieve readiness levels. Readiness. You heard that word earlier. I'm going to get back to that. So that we can fulfill our operational responsibilities. More important to snuff out innocent human life while simultaneously maintaining a high level of diversity in the armed services, including having as many women around as possible. So Tuberville in Alabama looks at all of this and he's like, wait a second. You guys don't get to just decide that you're going to snuff out innocent lives and make the taxpayers pay for it. I, I'm not going to stand for that. The senior leadership of the DOD has made this decision, so guess what? There will be no new senior leadership of the DOD, and he has held up the promotions of like 300 people. I believe the United States Senate needs to confirm either two-star generals and above or maybe three-star generals and above. So here you have some one-stars or some colonels or whatever who are trying to get up to two or three or four stars. And those promotions and confirmations of various officers in various roles is being held up. Meanwhile, the commandant of the Marine Corps, the top-ranking officer in the Marine Corps, the four-star general, Eric Smith, is lying in a hospital bed fighting for his life right now. The Marine Corps has no assistant commandant because of this measure taken by Tuberville of Alabama. And so some other three-star officer in headquarters Marine Corps is acting commandant right now. That's the backdrop. Oh, one other thing. Why I was laughing earlier, you're like, why was Mike laughing? There's nothing funny. Well, I just saw this headline from Politico. It just came out. It says, Tuberville military holds may have contributed to Marine Commandant's hospitalization. So Tuberville holding up uh, getting an assistant commandant or whatever, that's probably what caused the heart attack in Marine Corps Commandant Eric Smith. Okay, so there's the backdrop. You've got top-ranking Marines croaking, just dropping dead, and nobody left to backfill them because the Marine Corps, along with the rest of the DOD, has decided that abortion is more important than officer promotions and filling vacancies. First of all, I have to tell you, there are way more general officers, generals, there are so many more generals alive today in the United States than at any point in her history. You have generals who don't even have 
troops under their command. You have all these three and four star commands of places that don't even have troops. I'm not talking about the combatant commands. I'm going to explain to you what a combatant command is and why it's so significant that central command, where it is, it's, it's area of responsibility, it's AOR, uh, and why it is so Im- I- impressive and historic that a uh, Marine combatant commander in central command would cancel the Marine Corps birthday ball. First of all, the Marine Corps celebrates its birthday on 10 November 1775. That's the day in which the Marine Corps was founded. Uh, A battalion of Marines was founded to protect the ships of the newly uh, confected or about to be United States of America. And these warriors in the sea, of the sea, were designed primarily to be basically the security force of naval vessels. And they soon took on amphibious assignments, i.e. landing from ships. And the amphibious nature of the Marine Corps was something that really began to be heavily developed in the early part of the 20th century, certain visionary officers who foresaw prolonged conflict in the Far East with a bunch of islands started uh, sounding the alarms in like 1910, 1915, 1920, 25, saying we need to learn how to land amphibious craft onto the shore. We need to go from ship to shore. And that became a major focus of study by the Marine Corps after World War One and leading up to World War Two. It was prophetic. You know the island hopping campaign of the Pacific? That campaign receives far less attention from people, historians, and, uh, well, just popular culture than the large-scale landings, uh, let's say, in Normandy. Because, A, we have a European focus to our history, and the Marines weren't landing in Europe. They were landing in Asia. And, B, the stunning uh, amphibious landing at Normandy... It's really like D-Day. It's worth studying. It's it's very, very interesting time in American history. Nevertheless, the Marine Corps is ostensibly, at least on paper, and they claim to be, the amphibious force in readiness. They can go from ship to shore. They operate in the world's latorals, which is a word that means there's water involved. And with like 70% of the world's population living near a coast, this is a pretty darn important thing. If you want to reach out and touch somebody, you land right on their shores, just like the Vikings did. When the Vikings landed, let's say, in Britain, 
and started wiping out the Britons. The Saxons arrived. And the rest is history. So amphibious assault is something that the Marine Corps uh, excels at and is celebrated solemnly at a Marine Corps birthday ball on or around the 10th of November every single year. Now there is pomp and circumstance around this. And it is uh, one of the only formal events that most Marines ever get to experience. You get to wear your dress blue uniform. Uh, there is a there is a certain dignity of the event, or at least for the first portion of it, before the uh, ghetto dancing happens, and then all of the junior enlisted wives kick off their shoes and it and it turns into animalistic and barbaric uh, debauchery by that point the officers are expected to excuse themselves you know sort of like how the priest excuses himself from the uh from the uh, the, the the after party of a wedding uh when the music turns on the priest departs you know and 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 dignified people as well anyway nevertheless this is the one of the traditions, one of the esprit de corps, one of the camaraderie events that happens once a year. There is a whole ball planning committee. There are various roles and responsibilities which must be, must be upheld. There is the cutting of the cake. The oldest Marine present and the youngest Marine present both cut the cake together. Um, there is a message from the commandant. There usually is a guest of honor. Many times you will hear you will hear the uh, sage words from a medal of honor recipient. We don't say a medal of honor winner because you don't win the medal of honor. You receive it. Medal of honor recipients are often present, telling their stories of heroism, war, and conquest for the American Empire. To cancel the Marine Corps ball is simply unheard of. It is part of the fabric of being a Marine. It is part of the DNA of the Marine Corps. It is, in fact, it's the one evening that most Marines look forward to all year. Yes, it's a lot of work to put it on, but it's also a connection to something greater than yourself. It really is. And anyone who's ever attended a Marine Corps birthday ball can attest to the fact that it is a, an evening to remember. It is supposed to be when warriors become gentlemen's, gentlemen. And they seat themselves in a dignified way and celebrate the illustrious Marine Corps. 